Hello and welcome to the 1-160th of a second photography podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about image sharpeners and image enlargers, what the point of them is and what I think of them. I watched this really good video on YouTube all about online image enlargers and I thought this is good. You could use this to enlarge your images, get bigger images and I went to make a YouTube video about it. Now here's the here's the end bit. I never got to make the YouTube video because I didn't see a point in it once I started experimenting with it and I went off at a tangent but more about that later. Obviously, I'm not going to sign up for the purposes of a YouTube video for a paid account or anything. So I used the free accounts and I looked at what other people had done after my interest had been piqued in using image enlargers. The problem is as follows. I have medium sized megapixel cameras. The camera I picked up to use was my GR3. That's about a 20 megapixel camera. Even my lowest megapixel camera is 12 megapixels, Canon 5D Mark I. So I went out in my Ricoh GR3 and I took some full size JPEGs and I took some JPEGs at the lowest possible setting I could do. Now the lowest possible setting I can do is the smallest JPEG size and to make it even smaller I use the crop shooting method. So I use the crop shooting feature so you can go from a 28 millimeter, which is what the lens is, you can crop in on the sensor digitally so that your output is 35 millimeter or 50 millimeter equivalent. Obviously that uses less of the sensors so you get a smaller output and the resolution smaller. So I did the lowest JPEG setting at the maximum crop to get the smallest possible file size I could. When I came back and I got those images on the computer, I found that the smallest possible images exceeded the upload resolution for these online services. And so I thought, what's the point? Because if I took a full size image in JPEG, it's massively too big for these services anyway. You can only really upload very small files. So you'd have to take an image on your camera, then you have to go into Photoshop and crop it and output it as a smaller JPEG and then upload it to increase its size. Well, what's the point? You might as well stick with the original JPEG you've got. Unless you have a very premium service and you pay for it, I could not see the benefit. You'd have to make your file smaller in order to upload it. I suppose there's a benefit if you're taking portions of images and you want them to have more megapixels and to be sharper so if you were I don't know picking someone's face from an image a wedding photo you selected a certain group of people you cropped down to those people and then you wanted a sharper image I could see the point in that but I came to the conclusion very fast that there was no point in this and as much as I wanted to make a video reviewing these services I could not find uh, a use case that I would use. I wouldn't ever use these services in real life. One of the use cases I was looking at and I was very interested in was sharpening up 360 photos, but they massively exceeded the upload limit anyway. So there was no point in progressing any further with that. You can get services on your phone via an app that do the same thing. Now, interestingly, they work with pictures you take. So they're designed to work with the pictures generated from your smartphones. So they're designed to work with larger images. I don't know whether they scale them down before uploading them to the cloud. And they seem like a more reasonable proposition. But of course, they were paid. You paid for the app. It was massively cheaper than paying a monthly subscription. You had a one-off payment for the app. I think the one I looked at was £15. I got the free version of the app and I tried it out. But again, there was no discernible difference for me because I would take a picture on my phone to try this out I would run it through the app which would upload it 
to the cloud and then it would tell you when it was available for download. You would download it again, you would look at it on your mobile phone and you wouldn't be able to distinguish it between the one you uploaded. Not because the service hadn't done anything, but because you were looking on your phone. So you would only see a benefit if you were printing, but you would only see a benefit if you were printing a very large image. So you would have to buy the app, you would have to upload an image, download it again, print it in a big as a big picture in order to see any difference. So I just sort of thought, what's the point? But in my research for this video, I came across Topaz Sharpen AI. And actually I made a video about Topaz Sharpen AI because I found that much more interesting. And I found that had a much better use case for people and for me. So Topaz AI has a free version, which is a trial version. So I downloaded that. My PC wasn't powerful enough to run it, but I gave it a go anyway. My PC didn't meet the minimum specs. I use an i5 laptop, eight gigs of RAM, has an SSD. Because it's a laptop, it doesn't have a dedicated graphics card. It has the Intel one, which isn't that good. I think it's built into the motherboard. And it's never really held me back, that laptop. It was, I bought the laptop refurbished when I needed to quickly upgrade my PC. So I've still got my PC. It's still Windows 10, it's still going, it's desktop, but I tend to use my laptop more. Just bought a cheap refurbished laptop. So I wasn't expecting great things because the software clearly exceeded the system I was on, but I gave it a go anyway. I used those images that I'd gone out and taken. So I started with a small JPEG and it made barely any difference. And it took ages to not make any difference. Every time you did something, had the software generated a preview, you can do masking in the software, but it takes ages to generate the preview. So you can say, I want this bit not to be sharpened or I want this bit to be sharpened. And you can specify various degrees of that. It has an intelligent masking mode that was quite good. I was quite impressed with that, but again, it took a long time and I found there was no discernible difference when looking on a HD monitor. Then I tried the full res JPEG at the maximum resolution I could take and I found it did do a good job and it did make my image sharper. Bits far in the background suddenly look so much more sharper. When you compared the before and after, it almost looked like your first image was blurry, but it wasn't. You were perfectly happy with it. And it got me thinking, one of the things I didn't put in the video is you only really notice a difference when they're side by side. You've lived with your camera for years. You've been happy with your camera for years. It's only when you go and sharpen it and look at it side by side for the images you've taken that you think, oh, the sharper ones are so much better. But you didn't know you had the problem before. And it isn't a problem. It's just software making it sharper. So it did make it sharper. I ran some family pictures through. I didn't put those in the video. And it did a good job with a really complex problem. And the complex problem was my child with glasses, with hair, it wasn't immediately obvious and, and freckles actually, it wasn't immediately obvious what to sharpen and what not to sharpen. And it got most of it right, but there were some things it didn't quite do right. So it's sharpened elements of the portrait that shouldn't be sharpened. It sharpened the hair, but it also sharpened the teeth, it sharpened bits of the lips. You could get around that by using the masking feature to say, do not sharpen this bit, just sharpen this bit. But again, it comes back to I was happy with the photo before. I didn't really need it to be any sharper. I don't really print my images big enough to warrant doing any sharpening. Or oh, I didn't think I did. I do print images and I think I print images a lot more than most people. And I put them up on the wall and I enjoy them and I look at them. But even with a 12 megapixel camera, you can print pretty large apps, a certain DPI before you need to worry about 
going over a specific threshold. It's not that bad. You don't need to enlarge and sharpen everything. But I looked at what you could do if you wanted to. So I carried on with my sharpened AI review. And I was quite impressed with the software. It was $60, I think. It was on a special offer. But I found it took a long time. And when I looked at other reviews, I found they said it took a long time. It was an impressive piece of software, but it took a long time. It did make me think, is there any need for this over the sharpening you get in editors like Lightroom? Does it do any better? Is it any worse? I didn't test that bit out. And I got an email from a company I've bought software from before around that time. They're called Francis. They're a German company and their software is very good value. And I've used it before for HDR things and things like that. And I could buy an old version of their sharpening for, I think, $20. So I did. So I tried their sharpening version and lo and behold, it ran much quicker. It did almost the same degree of sharpening. If anything, it looks slightly sharper and I was happier with the output compared to the very expensive artificial learning machine AI one from Topaz Labs. When when you zoom in really far and you pick apart the detail, I think the Topaz Labs probably did a better job. But just looking on your monitor without zooming in, I actually thought the Francis one did a better job. And that was a third of the price compared to Topaz AI. It ran on my machine it didn't it wasn't computationally intensive it was quicker it didn't need the latest machine didn't need a ridiculous amount of ram and i was happy with it but again i did think well i do wonder whether whether it's any better than lightroom and i guess that's my next video or my next avenue to try is it any better than lightroom you can batch process with both of these two pieces of software so if you've got a load of images you want to get sharpened you can run them through as a batch rather than going through each one on its own it will save to the same directory and it will append the file name so you know which one was the original and which one was the sharpened one but that's how i got on it's almost like you taste a new drink and you think how did i live before on that standard drink when you you get a new tv or a new console you do think how did i ever cope before how did i cope with this old phone i used to have it's one of those things that you it's not a problem that immediately needs to be solved in photography. But once you've seen the before and after, it sometimes can be quite difficult to go back to the way things were or do the things you were doing before. That's my thoughts on sharpening software. By no means rush out and get some sharpening software. They do sharpen things up. I don't know if they improve things compared to sharpening in Lightroom. They didn't look over sharpened, which was good. The file size did, of course, increase. It was strange. The file size increased, but the dimensions stayed the same. And it, it appeared that the DPI stayed the same as well from looking at the properties of the file. So I don't know what went on there, but certainly the file size increased. So that's my thoughts on two pieces of sharpening software. I hope you found that useful. And maybe like me, you've discovered a problem you didn't know you already had. Thank you. Goodbye.